0: Okay, so we're into our final session of the Big Shed this morning. Um, So I'm going to do maybe a slightly different introduction, but let's go for it. Let's try it anyway. Okay, here we go. So ladies and gentlemen. I'll try that again. Ladies and gentlemen. In the Big Shed. Representing the country of Canada. Canada. I'll do that again. In the big shed, representing the country of Canada, wearing the coolest shirt you've ever seen, kind of, the heavyweight, I mean middleweight, pastor of the world, the Canadian crusader, Joel Turner. Let's give him a round of applause. Hey, hey. amen brother hey what about that the sound the sound team put me up to that Did
1: they? thanks guys appreciate that
0: yeah they slipped me a tenner and uh, so so that's my, <laughs> that's all
1: it took that's all bucks. it took
0: that's my curry sorted for tonight so um joel's got a book coming out soon um so check in with the um our info team to find out more about that book we're really excited for that coming out soon and joel i'm going to pray for you thanks, we're going to be a lot more mature now <laughs> Uh, Father, I pray for Joel, Lord. I just thank you for his ministry, Lord. It's so brilliant to have him with us, Father, this week, ministering throughout the week, Lord. And I just pray a blessing on him, on Joel, Lord, as he, um, you know, facilitates, gives us your word, what you have to say for us. And again, open all our hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give it up for Gareth right here. Come on now.
1: Dude, you should take the hat off. Be proud of the haircut you and I got yesterday. Okay. How are you guys doing, Creation Fest? Survivors. You're the survivors, right? The others are like, and we're gone. We saw the thunder, the storm, and the rest of you are like, no, I have Jesus. Give yourself a hand. Come on now. This is no word of a lie. I got pulled aside uh, early yesterday morning by the organizers, the leadership team here. They said, hey, Joel, do you have a minute? I said, sure, what's up? They said, hey, um, upwards of 50 mile an hour winds are coming and, uh, you know, potential trees, death, cats flying everywhere, (laughs) which I don't mind. I'm not a cat fan, but um, (laughs) they said, right. And that's sorry. There's five cat lovers over here. Okay. Dog people, where are you at? (laughs) Sorry grace to you. Okay, listen. Um, And so they said, yeah, 50 mile an hour winds, likely there'll be death. Um, And so it's right in the middle of your sermon. And uh, well, I've worked, this is my fifth creation fast, you know what I mean? So I know when someone's what we would say in Canada, pranking you or uh, how do you say it here? Pulling your leg. Is that? Did I get that right? What is it? Okay, perfect. Getting stitched up. Okay, whatever you say here. Anyway, so I honestly thought she was joking. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sorry about what I did three years ago to a bunch of the leaders. But listen, she's like, no, it's true. And so what's going to happen is everyone's going to cram into the back. There'll be kids everywhere. Babies flying in the air. <laughs> running ladies screaming, you know. And, and I was like, this is a joke. She goes, no, it's not a joke but it'll go great, right? Because you do improv. I'm like, listen, improv is built around chaos. Preaching is built around no chaos. So that's a misnomer to think the guy with ADD does well when there's like someone running on fire and babies flying in the air and cats and stuff. That is just not true. So anyway, I've asked the security here if somebody does get up and start running, just, uh, there's sniper people in the tower with sedative darts. So sedative darts, that's what we do at our church because I'm so easily distracted. So if you see someone jump up, don't feel you have to do it. There's people on staff, red dot on the chest. <laughs> and, and then you'll just see a lot of this during the service. <laughs> Open your Bible. <laughs> oh. okay. So anyway, so don't worry about that. Let's all just focus on God's word, right? And for kids, if you decide you want to be loud and crazy, we're going to play a game. Who knows what this is? Kids, where are you at? it's an activity token, right? I've heard with this token, you can get like a unicorn thing on your head. Okay, so the quietest kid in here gets this at the end. Don't forget. Teenagers are like, what about us? All right, five quid to the quietest of you. Parents are like, what about us? Are oh, you going to have a free signed book? Okay, here we go. Uh, let's turn to Ephesians 6.10 as we wrap up in God's Word today. And I loved asking for a napkin because I'm bald and sweaty. And the guy putting on my headset goes, well, you do have a large head. Thanks. Thanks a lot. No, actually, I just lied. He didn't say that. He said, your head's larger than the last guy. I'm like, great. I don't know if that's a compliment. All right, Ephesians 6.10. Let's dive in As we close out this incredible book, listen to this. So let's just kind of hush for a moment as we hear God's word. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's just pause and pray. Father, we pray right now that you would remove the distractions, that you would zone us in to what you have to say to us. Come Holy Spirit and be the speaker today. That's my desire, Lord, to get out of the way and let you minister in the way that only you can do. Lord, you love everyone here. And Lord, those who are listening on live stream or later on podcast or DVD or something, Father, would you just pour out your favor on each and every person as they see the battle before them and that we have a great victorious victor. And we give you all the praise and glory Jesus in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. I want to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was praying at our church offices, and uh, I'm on the second floor, and I'm in this room, which we call Grace Hall, and I've got my prayer sheet out before I'm going to preach on a Sunday. I look out the windows. We have these windows that overlook the city. It's super cool, and I'm kind of just praying, and I'm praying away, and there's a parking lot on the left side. There's an open field in front of my wi- all the windows, open field, and then on the left, we have this parking lot with a curb that's about that tall. Why is that important? Here's why. I look down and I see this cute little bunny, maybe this big, little floppy ears, big eyes. And he's just like walking across the parking lot. And I'm thinking, oh, it's so cute, right? Cute little bunny, floppy ears, tiny little thing. He's just making his way hot, hop, hop. And then he gets to the curb and he's trying to get over the curb and he can't get over the curb. And I'm, wa- yeah, come on now. Where's your heart at? Okay. And, and I'm just like willing him onward, trying to pray, but like, go on, little
0: guy. You got this. Come on.
1: Come on. Like he can't see a weird Canadian upstairs going like this. but And so he can't get over. Next thing I know, two magpies. You guys have those? What, are they called magpies here? Not if they are? Okay. <laughs> Not if they are. Yes. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. We'll work on instructions later. Anyway. So... These magpies come and land on either side of him. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Right? Because magpies, I'm sure they're the same here. I don't know if it's different country to country. But they eat their own. They eat other people's baby birds. Like, they're disgusting creatures. And so they start moving in on this tiny little bunny trying to get over the curb. Next thing I know, three giant blackbirds, ravens, come and on either side of the magpies. And I'm like, oh. And then they jump into the middle surrounding the bunny. And I think, yay, the ravens are going to save the bunny. Not a bird fan, really, to be honest. Didn't know how this worked. And I see the magpies back off. And I'm like, yeah, ravens, save the day. Until one of the ravens decided to take a peck at the bunny. And that changed everything for me. I'm like, I don't think the ravens are protecting the poor little bunny. And pretty soon, all of them are pecking at this tiny little bunny. Two more ravens fly in the middle, and they move in, and they start pecking. And I'm thinking, oh, not on my watch, you don't. So I leave the office. I grab, I don't know what I was thinking. I, like, grab the nearest thing. We have these, like, blue recycle bins. You guys have those for recycling? Okay, it's a big thing in North America. I grab a recycle bin, and I grab the lid of a Tupperware thing. So I'm like, I don't know where this bunny's been. I know he got separated from his parents. So I start running out of the building, downstairs with this recycle bin and this lid in my hand towards the bunny. And I'd heard somewhere that birds are threatened by bigger birds. Did you know this? So like the best way to get rid of a flock of geese, try this, is to start doing this with your arms. So I'm like, it is on. So I see all these birds pecking this bunny. I'm going to save the bunny. I run outside. I come around the corner, come through the door, run outside. I've got the recycle bin and the plastic lid. And I start going, ah, ah, like this. Ah, and then I look to my left and there's a janitor there. Go. You all right, Pastor Joel? No, he didn't have a British accent. I don't know why I did. I'm translating. And I was like, yep, doing fine, Arthur. And I just ran, and all the birds took off. And I grabbed this little bunny. I put him in the recycle bin. And he looked up at me in the bin, like with these big eyes, like, thank you. And I took him around the corner. I dropped him into thick grass. And I'm not joking. It's like a scene from the movie. He took two bounces. He's got peck marks on his back. He took two bounces. And then he looks back. that's all I got for you today. Well, let's pray. (laughs) Because how do you go up from there? It's a bunny. Okay. And I was like, you go, bunny, you go. Jesus is with you. Anyway, the point is we are in a battle. How many of you could say in the last year you feel like that bunny? You had an enemy surround you. They were moving in, they were moving in. And then all of a sudden, boom, something else bigger came and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm out of it. Anybody? And then all of a sudden, you're back in. And it's even bigger the second time, and you're done. You're like, that's it. I'm tapping out. And the picture I want to get for you today is that God has provided a way, not just in the times where he does it, because he's gracious to swoop down, pick you up, and say, I got you, but he's actually provided a way in the battle that you're in to invite him to fight for you and with you. Take a look at the scriptures. We are in a battle. People have asked me if there's one thing... (laughs) you could give the life of every Christian on earth, what would you give them? If there's one thing you could get every single Christian on planet earth to do consistently, you know what it is? Pray the armor of God. Oh, you're saying that because this is the passage you're teaching. No, when I got called and said, you're, you're doing the, the passage on the armor of God, I was like, that is literally my favorite passage in the, all of scripture. And it's literally in counseling, the most common thing I'll say to somebody is, are you praying the armor of God? Are you dressing for success? Are you getting dressed spiritually before you get dressed physically? Are you going into this battle that you're in, in battle mode or in defeat mode? This is huge. And listen, I grew up, I have a British family. Okay, who has a British family here? Anyone? Oh, good. Okay, yeah. I have an English mom. I bring her everywhere I go. She's right over there. Okay, you always should have an English mom, a token English mom, wherever you go. But I mean, wouldn't you be honest? I'm just speaking of myself here, but hands up if you can identify. Some of us... English people were a little negative at times. Yeah? Help me out here, right? I mean, we start our day in our family growing up in England. You'd be like, here's something on the news. And right away, everyone chimes in. That's rubbish, that. Right? Right? That's ridiculous. Brexit. Why can't they fix it, not break it? Like, whatever. You know what I mean? What is the deal? Like, it's just, we go negative on everything, right? It's like, anybody that supports a football team 99% of the time you're talking about what's wrong with the team not what's right right and so i'm telling you the way that the bible gives us mental preparation for the day and for the for the mission is the armor of god and i believe if you got a pen jot this down or take out your phone open your notes and jot this down every christian can be equipped to face the warfare in their life by recognizing three things number 1 the power number 2 the problem number 3 the pieces so first The power. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So here we are at the end of the letter in which Paul's carefully established our wealth in Christ, our walk, and now finally our war. And what must we do? Before anything else, we recognize the power that is available to us in Christ Jesus. He literally says, Be strong in what? Yourself? Your job? Your career, your financial balance, your relationships, your skills, nope. He says be strong in, in the Lord and the power of his might. And I love this. You see the word might translates as present force. Like a guy with huge muscles standing right in front of you. Anyway, I think you got the point. It's a display of or a reserve of strength, catch this, regardless of whether they're used or not. Okay, that's what might means. It's power that's there on display, whether it's used or not. But then he says the word power in this verse. Power means to exercise the might. Now you put it into action. Let me demonstrate. I have an eight-year-old son, his name's Cruz, and he has a total fixation with my biceps. I know, I know. I know, some of you are like, why? But up close, it's a lot more understandable. Anyway, Just sing, and then one of those. Okay. Anyway, the point is, he's just at that age, and I don't have the heart to tell him that Daddy can't lift a house when he says that. (laughs) I just go, "Well, maybe I could, son. You keep believing." But he's like, he's like, "Dad, your your biceps are awesome," and my wife rolls her eyes, which she does a lot. Um, and and but here's the deal: he doesn't want to just look at muscles; he wants to fight, right? He's like, let's put him into action. Let's wrestle you and me, or, or me and my brother versus you, Dad. And so we fight it out. Well, that's the picture of this verse. It's power and might. It's recognizing God has all the power, but the might is putting it into action. It's actually doing something, not just going, oh, our God is awesome. Our God is awesome, and he's equipped us. To be awesome next to him. And to let him be awesome in our presence. One of the major issues, I believe in the modern church, is we seem to be really good at recognizing the power that is in front of us. Please hear me, but not accessing it. I don't want to just watch the power of God. I want to war with the power of God. Amen? And check out this uh, water bottle right here. If you will, this is a picture of your strength. This is your strength right here. All this, you're like, oh, it's a full water bottle. Yeah, this is me, this is me. God's strength in comparison, church, is like the English channel. Okay? And so when you actually start thinking about, I'm in spiritual warfare, if you will, the great issue of spiritual warfare for some people is that they actually believe it's their job to fight it. It's not. It's to access it. You know, when you have a bully in the playground, the temptation is go fight the bully. But that's an unfair fight. But I always tell people, here's the basis of all spiritual warfare. You don't fight the bully. You go get daddy. You run home, you go, daddy, there's a bully. I'll take care of it. And that's how it is. And we got all these Christians that are trying to fight the war on their own strength when they should just run home and get daddy. And that's what he's telling us here. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So that's the first thing is the power. What's the second thing? Second thing is the problem. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Turn to the person next to you And say this line, my battle is not with you. One, two, three. (laughs) That would have been really random if you're like on the end of a row and a security person's walking by. You're like, my battle's not with you. You're like, I'm just going to get a bap. Okay, whatever. But it's true. How many times do we need to be reminded your battle is not with flesh and blood? How many times can you say that to yourself and actually recognize that there are ranks of forces, principalities, powers, there are varying degrees of enemies who are hellbent on your destruction day and night, that they feed gossip lines to people, that they feed evil thoughts to you about someone else, your spouse, your kids, your friend, your church. And a lot of the problems in our marriage and our home and our friendships and our church don't actually revolve around what happened. Did you know that? They revolve around not liking someone or what they did that causes you not to like them. I mean, if they just revolved around what happened, well, then we could all just practice what Matthew 18 says, right? We'd be like, hey, brother, I'm doing a Matthew 18 of you. (laughs) Here's three things you did that ticked me off. And the other guy would be like, awesome, thanks for telling me. I love you, happy face, woo! Right? (laughs) If that were that simple, but it's not, There are forces at work to get you to not like the people on either side of you. There are forces at work to put wedges between you and your husband, you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your parents. There are forces at work to give you hatred for your boss. There are enemies hell-bent on this all the time. That is the problem. Before we put the armor on, we have to recognize we are dealing with this day and night, and we have to get back on track with this church because it is time to fight, but not to fight each other. There's way too much of that going on, amen? But the real enemy, and I see so much of this, literally, I've, I've been a part of it myself to my ever-loving shame, but I've also been a victim of it, and I know you have too. And, and literally, we get to this place where we are creating the problem because we're turning the guns on each other, if you will, if you want a picture of the problem in action it's like two soldiers in the trenches and there they are wearing the same color uniform the enemy is over there and rather than crawling the banks and aiming their guns at the enemy and firing together what do they do it's called friendly fire it's the saddest thing in war and it's the saddest thing in church and home and family and relationships they turn in the trenches on each other and start firing friendly fire It's not friendly at all anymore it's awful your battle is not against flesh and blood it's not a fleshly war it's an unseen war it's not with your government your boss your marriage or your kids or your football team because they didn't buy the players you wanted in the transfer window sorry Liverpool fans all right no it is with spiritual powers that are unseen and wage war against you every moment The first is power. The second is the problem. What's the third? I love this. The pieces. The pieces of armor. Check it out. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God seven pieces of armor. Because I believe the last piece is prayer. And we'll talk about that in close. All right, you got a pen, jot these down. Here's the first one. Number one, gird your waist with truth. Listen how one commentator translates this, because I like it. He says, truth is symbolically, and I'm doing English accent because he's English, represented as a belt to gather up ye garments. (laughs) Isn't that great? Clearly not from this century. Right? Just say gather up ye garments on three. One, two, three. Doesn't that feel so British? Isn't it? That's just great, isn't it? Try that. Next time your kids are leaving the door for school, did you gather up ye garments? <laughs> I love it. Let me say it in Canadian. Dude, <laughs> your pants fell down. Try a belt. That's what it means. Eh? <laughs> okay, that's just, that's how we, thank you. Yeah. But this is so important. Why? Because, you know, this is the most overlooked piece of the armor of God, I think. I pray the armor of God with my boys when we go somewhere in the morning and it's just me and the boys. Sometimes I'll do it with the whole family on a road trip and I'll say, okay, everybody shout out a piece of armor. And it's kind of a free for all. You pick first who's praying which piece over our family for the day. Now, let me, (laughs) let me just say this. Do any of them shout out the belt first? Oh, no, no, no. What's the one that my boys shout out? Anybody? Jeff. Because yeah. <laughs> you have boys too. All right. Anyone have more than two swords in their house right now? More than three swords? More than five? Okay. All right. You get it. And when you pray the armor, they're like, dad, uh, uh, no what never, never once. Okay. Token, token for that child right there. Okay. Okay. Never once have they said, dad, I just want the belt. So that my pants fall down, don't fall down. Never once, never once. It's it's time for a resurgence of the belt, you guys. Here's why, because listen what's happening in our day and age. There is a move away from truth. You know that, right? The number one temptation of a preacher or pastor or minister or teacher today is to soften the word of God. Number one. And so the belt of truth becomes so important for the Roman soldier, it's what tied everything together. It was all connected right here in this kind of buckle system. You would gird up stuff and then you would lock it in. Without it, everything fell apart. Now think about that. If your pants fall down, it's embarrassing. Okay? Are pants underwear here? They're not, are they? Oh, darn it. I did it again. Wow. You guys are like, cover the children's ears. Sorry. Your trousers. Your trousers. Good, all right, it's PG again. Okay, so sorry, I should have proofed that one. But here's what we have. We have such a softening of the word of God and it breaks my heart as a pastor because there's way too many like, do you guys have TED Talks over here? Okay, they're like these 15 minute like sort of give you one zinger, feel good. But the straight, full on, expositional teaching of the word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible, Is what is the crying and dying need of the church today. The belt of truth. Amen. And there needs to be a return to this. In fact the Bible even warns in the last days. People won't have an appetite for it anymore. Don't be that person. Fasten yourself. Stay tight. Stay sharp. By getting into God's uh, word. What's the second one? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Friends. We can't fight this battle. In our own righteousness. When I wake up in the morning and I'm praying, Lord, I ask, I thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that there's nothing in me that is righteous except for your shed blood. And, and you can't, some people, they think I'm going to fight Satan spiritually by, you know, because I'm skilled, I can do that. You know, oh, Satan, I'm a Bible study leader, or I, I've led people to the Lord, or whatever your skill is, but you can't do that. It's his righteousness, not yours. What's the third piece? Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love this one. Josephus described them as shoes that were thickly studded with sharp nails. So shoes that provide protection, but also allow direction. Did you hear me? These shoes literally would protect, but then they allowed you to move. Alexander the Great's armies, Caesar's armies, they say the unsung hero of their troops, were the proper shoe and footwear. I've talked to an American soldier who is like part of this whole argument, and he's like, My boots are the most important part of my uniform. Interesting. Because, you know, you can't move forward if you've got a spear in your foot. Why is this so important? Because we are taking this great gospel, this gospel of peace, out into the world. And here's what happens. Here's why I pray, Lord, I I pray this morning that you would shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What I'm saying is, Lord, mobilize me on the foundation of your gospel. I expect you to bring opportunities today for me to share the gospel. And that way, when it happens, guess what? You're not surprised. Because you're praying that you're getting on mission. So we, uh, we landed about a week ago, um, coming out of the airport. And we're like, oh, we'll go to Cambridge. But we went during rush hour. You call it rush hour? Yeah, so it was like a long, long drive to Cambridge. And I'm like, we're running out of gas. I pull into a gas station. There's a, a girl, about 21, 22, I'm guessing, comes into the gas station. She goes up to the counter. She's in front of me. She goes up to the counter, she goes, I've got a problem, and it's August 1st, so I believe what she's saying. She's like, it's payday, but I don't think my money's gone through yet. Can I prepay and see, because I'm out of gas, because I just waited two hours on the way from London. Well, I know that's true, I was waiting as well. So I'm listening to this story, and she's panicking, and the guy behind the counter's like, no, you can't prepay, sorry, we don't do that. No, you You have to. You know, if you don't have the money, you can't pay. She's like, well, I'm out of gas, and I have to get home. If I get home, I can get the money, and he's like, sorry. And so she's distraught because she realizes she's stuck. And then she's trying to call people and she's kind of panicky. And I felt like the Lord was like, you know, let her know you got her. <laughs> and I, I, so I said this to her because I'm cheap. I said, would five pounds get you where you need to go? <laughs> and she goes, uh, probably more like 15. But wow, you would give me five pounds? And I said, well, I, yes, I would give you five pounds. She goes, well, I'm going to try one more thing. And I'm just starting to get a heart for her. And she goes back up, and there's three people behind her. She's trying her card. It's declining every time. And I felt like the Lord was like, give her 15 pounds. And I'm like, okay. I don't even know how much money that is after currency exchange from Canada, right? That's not the point of the story. The point is, I went back to her and I said, you know what? I'm going to take care of your bill. And so put 15 pounds in and I'll cover it. She was so blown away, she starts tearing up. And I said, I only have one thing I want to tell you. And that is, it's not really me buying your gas. It's Jesus. She goes, huh? And I'm just listening. And I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me, tell her Jesus isn't as weird as she heard he was. (laughs) That's not usually my go-to for an event. Like I'm an evangelist. That's not my startup line. Jesus isn't as weird as you think he is. But literally, those are the words that came out of my mouth. This is from Jesus, and he's not as weird as you think he is. And I think she was like, well, he might not be, but you really are. And so she starts getting tore up. She's got tears in her eyes, and she's like, well, what does that mean? So I share the gospel with her in the middle of this place. And after about half an hour, the guy behind the counter goes, well, are you going to pay or not? Anyway, that's all. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, wasn't like that. If you, if you have your feet shod with the gospel of peace and you pray it in each day, you should expect missional things to come your way. And that rhymes. Okay, the fourth piece, shield of faith. He says, above all, take the shield of faith so you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. I taught this verse on caffeine once. Me and caffeine are a bad combination. Uh, Let's just say it took a couple minutes for the church to stop fully laughing after my explanation of the diary farts. (laughs) It just was about two minutes before I was like, why is everyone laughing? And my assistant pastor was like, you said diary farts. Okay, never mind. All right. Anyway, and then people texted me weeks later. They just wouldn't let it go. Still struggling, Pasta, with diary thoughts. Okay, whatever. And I would write back, bummer. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Above all doesn't mean more importantly. It means overall. all. The idea is that faith, friends, must be over all that we do. And this is so important. Why? Because usually in our humanity, we start our choices with logic first. Makes sense, right? Like uh, I do an Israel tour every couple of years. You should join me next March if you want to come. Selfless plug. And uh, people always come up and they're like, how much is it? I'm like, well, there's so much it costs. Oh, I can't then. And I'm like, look, I'm not a health, wealth, gospel. I'm not one of those like name it and claim it guys. But maybe you should start by asking the Lord if he wants you to go in faith first and then let him provide some miracles and watch God work. This is a problem. We've got it all figured it out and financed out instead of faithing it out today. Faith is the juice of the Christian life. Don't cut it off. You're praying about something in your life right now. And and if you start off and you start going, well, it doesn't look like it can happen, then it won't. Because Hebrews 11 says, faith is a substance. It's it's grabbing a hold of something before I have it. And then the evidence of the unseen. It's the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of the the unseen. If you grab out and, and stop yourself and go, this probably won't work, then it won't. But if you believe God and let him fill in the blank, you'll see little miracles. You'll open little presents on the road of your life. Faith is the juice of the Christian life. That's why we need it. It's a protectant from the horrible, horrible negative lifestyle that the enemy wants you to live. Well, that probably won't work and I won't get that job. And blah blah. Walk in faith, church. Believe God for it. Let him answer whether you're supposed to have it or not. Number five, the helmet of salvation. One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is discouragement. So the helmet of salvation for me when I'm praying and I'm praying, Lord, wash my mind. Remind me that you've already saved me from sin, the best news ever, and that you're coming back soon to save me. And keep this in my thoughts all day. I, every morning when I pray this, I'm like, Lord, I wanna focus on that. You paid it all and you're coming back to claim it all. Amen? Amen. Jesus, the next time Jesus comes back, He's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. So we have good news. It's good news looking backwards because He paid for everything. Your sins, past, present, future. And it's good news looking forward because He's coming back to claim what's rightfully His. That's you. So you want to walk with this mindset. We can walk like this all the time. The helmet of salvation makes you go, lift up your eyes from whence your help comes. Jesus is coming. Get your mind on that and the fact that you're already saved. Number six, six piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit. How many of you ever played a sport like later in life for the first time? You ever done that? And like, you know what I'm talking about? Like someone in here, you're like, well, I never played tennis until I was 45. Isn't it awful? Right? And you're like, you've probably played with someone gracious that's like, oh, you're doing great. You got it over. But you know you're bad. Right? You're taking balls and, you know, it's just... It's ugly. Well, this is the interesting thing here. The reason is, it's because you've never practiced, you've never walked it out, and taken time. Some people make the mistake of confusing when it comes to the word of God, knowledge versus wisdom. Knowledge anyone in here can get. Read your Bible, study your Bible, grow in knowledge. The danger of that is, whatever knowledge you have, you're accountable for that knowledge. Wisdom yeah. is knowledge applied with skill. Right? And that takes time. And the sword of the Spirit takes time. For the Roman soldier, he didn't just rock up to battle and be like, all right, I'm here. Oh, wow, I'm really good at this. No, he had to practice where to put the sword, where to thrust, where to turn. They would train and train and train. So train yourself in righteousness in God's Word and then direct yourself by the Holy Spirit's leadership. Because sometimes... How many of you remember this? You were earlier on in life as a Christian. You had the word of God, but you didn't know how to apply it. So you would just bluntly, like the blunt end of a sword, hit people over the head. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody would be like, oh, I'm really struggling with this. You're like, well, you shouldn't, because the Bible says blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I'm saying? Who's had a Christian do that to them? Sure you have. So there's a skill set here. And so when he talks about the sword of the spirit, in the morning I'm praying, Lord, pierce me with your word and fill me with your spirit that i might share it as you so lead me that's the key what's after the sword of the spirit final peace and that is prayer check out verse 18 praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints now watch this cuz this what i want to zone in on and for me that utterance may be given to me that i may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel For which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says, you also know my affairs, how I'm doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, will make all things known to you, whom I sent you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, comfort your hearts, peace to the brethren, love with faith, from God the Father, our Lord Jesus, grace to all of you, in the love of Jesus Christ and sincerity, amen. I want to zone in on one last thing, I was just going to invite the worship team up, wow, you guys are good. One last thing. And the last piece, I believe, is prayer. Paul could have asked his people for anything. But he asked for prayer. He closes out the letter and he says, look, of all the things he could pray for, what did he say? Utterance to open my mouth and make known the mystery of the gospel. Utterance means clear speech. Bold speech of the gospel. This is so key. Paul's closing thought is this. I want to go out fully armed, fully equipped, and share the gospel wherever I go. But I want to do it boldly and clearly. And he literally says this. This is such a great prayer. And to open my mouth. Do you know that 99%, no, no, 100% of all witness opportunities either succeed or fail based on one key ingredient? opening your mouth the other night um, I'll leave you with this story the other night I just finished teaching on Tuesday night and I was I was like I need to get out of here you know and uh, and I thought maybe I'll go get some fish and chips somewhere (laughs) and uh, so around the corner there's this little pub and so I walk in and there's a guy from our Canadian team and we go up and we just start chatting with the people there and they're like oh we're closing right So I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll just chat while they're closing. So two waitresses come and sit between me and the other Canadian team member with me. And so there's me, uh, my friend John, these two waitresses, and then this guy, I think he's a staple in the the pub. And then the um, the, the waitress or the bartender behind the counter is just like cleaning glasses like in every movie, right? She didn't have that face, actually. (laughs) No. And so you know what? I thought, you know what, I'm tired but I prayed in the morning the armor of God, so I prayed for the shoes of the gospel of peace and I prayed that God would give me utterance I do every morning to make known boldly the mystery of the gospel to make it clear and so I start sharing Jesus with this old all the remaining people in the pub and the guy on the end he says something like this and I won't say his name, I asked everybody their name and and uh, and he said, you know what? I would trust in God, except for the fact that I was born with a disability. And uh, it, you know, younger in life, a Christian told me that that was because of the sins of my father, and that uh, I'm cursed because of my parents' sin. So, what kind of loving God would do that? And that's when I turned off from the Christian faith. He said I have a disability, and so if that's how God works, I don't want anything to do with it. I know it's getting loud, but I want you to hear this final point. Please zone in with me on this. Now, you know how it is. When you're led by the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, then you can ask God and He'll give you in season the right words. And I said to this guy, I said, listen, bro, you've got a physical disability. I'm sorry for that. We live in a fallen, broken world. I have tons of disabilities. And the guy on the Canadian team next to me was like, yes, he does. I said, I've got, they're more mental and spiritual and verbal and but listen, someone lied to you that's not what that person in the Bible means at all Jesus came along, saw a blind man and said, who sinned, this guy or his parents neither, but that the glory of God might be manifested through his life God wants to manifest his glory through your life, but if you just blame him he can't do that, it lifted and this guy he's in his 70s and his whole countenance changed it's like he never had this one thought Now the two girls in the middle, the waitresses, start going, well, what about Buddhism? And we have this great conversation. And I'm like, well, here's the problem with Buddhism, no offense. And the girl goes, I've never thought of that. She's like, I did actually find out that, that, you know, Buddha himself, you know, prophesied he would be a king one day, and the prophecy never came true. And I said, yeah, but Jesus had 400 about his life, and they all came true. And then the bartender, praise the Lord, Yeah. Then the bartender, she goes, I am absolutely baffled in a good way. Guys, this is the power of the gospel. This is why you get dressed for success spiritually in the morning. Because God wants to use you in the most crazy scenarios to bring Jesus to a dying world that's in need. And if you want to be used in that way, as we close out our book in this conference, would you stand where you are? I want to pray for you right now before we close in worship. If that's you, you say, I want to be used in this way. I want my utterance to be clear, to be bold, to be used for the glory of God. Then just stand where you are right now. Let's do something. We haven't done this this week. Let's do something. Awkward, but family. Ready? Now you're scared. (laughs) You're like, will we get taken out by a sedative dart? No, you won't. Put your arm around your brothers and sisters. Let's pray for each other right now as we close in worship. Father, we pray all across this room and those watching live stream or later. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would equip us spiritually with your armor. That we might go reach the world out there, Lord. You are you are crying out for people that aren't so self-focused, thinking spiritual warfare is just about getting rid of the ickiness. There is a mission on the line. That you equip us so that you can send us, and we say, here I am, Lord, send me Send me right now to the nations. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, they would see their disability's not their fault. It's the curse of sin. And you came to set them free from the curse of sin. You died on the cross. You shed your blood. You did it for them. If they have been the only one on the face of the earth, you still would have come just for them because that's how much they mean to you. We love you, Jesus. Fill us with your spirit afresh and send us in Jesus' name. Amen.